One of the things I find in our industry is there are so many people who don't know the history of the industry and they probably think it's irrelevant, but it's not. Knowing those stories gives you a rich depth of background to pull from when you're creating copy that sells, ads that sell. We're all about turning a crappy situation into something wow. positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> Our sponsor for this episode is our 14-day video script challenge. Yes, we are sponsoring our own show. Yes, we are. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to From Poop to Gold. I'm Daniel Harmon, Chief Creative Officer at Harmon Brothers. My guest today is Ray Edwards, copywriter extraordinaire. Welcome on the show, Ray. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I love your work. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So Ray, like I said, is a big-time copywriter, um, goes around speaking, teaching about it all the time. Give Give our audience a little bit of your background, specifically direct response copywriting, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. I actually started doing that when I was in the radio business okay. because I was a DJ and I wanted to keep my job. <laughs> and I noticed that the people who helped make money for the station kept their jobs. Mm -hmm. So I started studying direct response copy and how I could write for the station's clients so that they got results. So when all right, the other, for their ads. For their ads. They mm -hmm. had people come in and spend money in their store. So when the other DJs got fired because the ratings were down, the salespeople would go to the manager that you can't fire Ray because the Ford account loves him. Mm -hmm. So I was able to be the creative guy, but also keep my job because I help with the money. And then I transitioned. Steve Jobs came out with this invention. I saw him stand on stage and say, a thousand songs in your pocket. And what I heard, he didn't say this, what I heard was no annoying DJs and no commercials. <laughs> I'm like, we're in trouble. Where this, this is going down. This is not going to be pretty. So yes. of course you're talking about the iPod. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I made a transition and started writing copy for people online. I, I realized... That's the other thing. In radio, so often, the people who write the copy are conscripted off the existing staff and they don't get paid to write copy. So often, okay. if you buy ads on a they radio station... They just kind station, of pull them in on an as-needed basis. DJ, no, they take DJs on, on staff and have them write copy. Oh, wow. Or they have salespeople write the copy. And okay. I, I just... It was not valued, so I wasn't paid anything for it. Then I found out that other businesses would actually pay for good copy. Mm. So I started writing and I had the good fortune to get a couple of really well-known clients very quickly. Um, so I've had the privilege of writing for some people like Tony Robbins and Jack mm. Canfield and um, Michael Hyatt, oh, Jeff wow. Goins. There's, I have a long list yeah. of impressive names and then also a long list of people nobody's ever heard of, but sure. I help them make money. So, And I love writing and I actually love marketing and I love writing marketing copy. So I'm, I'm living the dream. There you go. Very good. So one thing I've always thought as I listen to radio is that there's a consistent theme with the most successful radio hosts, especially when it comes to talk radio, whether that be whether that be something that they're covering politically mm -hmm. or if they're in sports or whatever the subject is, is the best radio hosts are really good salesmen. Oh, yes. And this is what you're talking about. It makes a lot of sense that the, the, like the DJs are actually like writing the copy themselves. Um, but I notice that's a consistent theme, whether it's, you know, Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, or if you're going to go to Howard Stern or to... Um, 
uh, you know, Scott Van Pelt or, you know, any number of um, radio personalities is that they are really good at making you believe what they're saying. It's not even as much about what they're saying as much as like... They, they convey the belief. That's right. They convey the belief. I mean, Zig Ziglar said that selling is merely, I love that merely, mm-hmm. merely the transference of enthusiasm. Yeah. And the best radio people, the, the hosts whose names we know, are the ones who are so good at that when they find a product they can believe in, they can talk about it extemporaneously. It doesn't yep. sound like an ad. Right. Because it's just they're already passionate from, about yeah, it. Yeah, it's coming from inside them. Yeah. And we, we say that at Harmer Brothers all the time. That's one of my kind of mantras around there is I think I say nothing sells better than the truth. Yes. And that's really what it comes down to is we always start with a product or a service that we feel passionate about. Not everybody in the company has to be passionate about it, but the person heading it up, the creative director, does need to have that passion for it. And hopefully, ideally, we can find writers that are passionate about that. And that will come through in their work. And so I think, yeah, like you said, that the Zig Ziglar quote quote, just nails it on the head. Well, and I love nothing sells better than the truth. That makes me think of Rosser Reeves, who wrote a book called Reality and Advertising. And that was his whole premise, that he wanted to find the truth that sold the product. Yep. And so he's the guy who actually invented the term unique selling proposition. Okay. Uh-huh. And one of the most famous ones he came up with was for a candy. Okay. M&M's. Yeah. Melts in your mouth. Not in your hand. Not in your hand. That was a reality. Uh-huh. That was a, uh, yeah, it was a truth about the product. Yes. And it was a real differentiated thing for candy at the time. And it's also, if I understand my M&M's history right, it's also the reason so much of it was used to, they actually sent it over to the troops yes. in the war because it wouldn't melt in transport like chocolate would normally do. Yes. And they could get it all the way to the hands of the of the GIs. I love that you know that story because one of the things I find in our industry is there are so many people who don't know the history of the industry and they probably think it's irrelevant, but it's not. Knowing those stories gives you a rich depth of background to pull from when you're creating copy that sells, ads that sell. And I mean, you, your work, one of the most beautiful things about it to me is I teach a lot of copywriting to business people. Yeah. And I kept seeing these ads that made me buy things <laughs> online. So okay. there was the Squatty Potty. There was okay, yeah. Poopery. There uh-huh. was chat books. I mean, I have a shelf full of those things. Yeah. And I, and there's purple. Yep. We have a purple mattress. Yeah. I have um, all these things too. <laughs> so, well, I'm sure. But I, I realized after I, I kept using, and I was like, who, who makes these? Who ads? keeps selling me on this stuff? And it's the same uh-huh. as you guys. So that's when I became a huge fan. I'm like, as a copywriter, my ultimate test is never to have other copywriters or marketing people say, oh, you wrote some good copy. My ultimate test is for them to say, how do I buy that? That's, that's the thing that we look for when we're creating our content is especially when we go and show it to outside people, to fresh eyes, we'll show them a video is if they start asking buyer intent questions, right? If they start saying things like, how much does this cost? Where is this available? And how is this similar to this? Like those kinds of questions like, oh, we're on to something, right? It's not just, um, oh yeah, I think the video is straightforward and stuff. But when they start being like, and so will it work with in this setting? You know, that kind of a thing. That's... Well, I think you're going to love this. I For a long time, I was using the chat books ad as an example of how to use humor to illustrate an aspirational pain that people 
people may have, something mm -hmm. they want to have in their life to be true, but they're, it's not. They're not able yeah. to take and curate the photos they want of their family. And something funny that happened I didn't expect was every time I would show a clip of that ad, I would look out in the audience where I was speaking and there would be women downloading the app. <laughs> yes. I'm like, holy crap, that's really good. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that makes me feel really good both for us and for chat books. But yeah, it is a, it is a really good product. So. Um, the podcast is from poop to gold. And so I want to dive in for you, Ray, what is a time in your career, in your life where you kind of hit that rock bottom where things got really crappy before you were able to turn them into something more positive? Well, 11, no, 2011, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease oh, and, uh, sorry, that was right. crap. Yeah. Um, I got really depressed. I went through all the, like the stages of grief and, and, but there was a friend of mine who interestingly enough is a really great salesman and another marketer. And he sent me a message. It was the one, I got lots of emails when I made the diagnosis public. I eventually had to, because it was obvious something was going on with me. And I got tired of people asking me if I'd started drinking. <laughs> so I was like, no, no I've not got, that. I've, I've got the Michael J. Fox sickness. Exactly. Right? Yep. Uh -huh. So, um, my, my, my friend Armin Morin sent me an email and he said, well, you've got it. How are you going to use it? That made me very angry until I realized he was right. I mean, I had a choice of two responses. I could either take this pile of poop and just decide I was going to wallow in it, or I could figure out how could I use it. So I began to look for what are the, what are the gifts within that could come out of this. And one of the, one of the most powerful things it's done for me is it's given me so much empathy for people who have problems like that or other problems we maybe don't see on the outside. It's just, it's just the empathy. Being able that to, is a gift. To, it is a gift. I, I mean, it literally changed my life. I was the guy. Because you can view people as more human uh, yes. in that way rather than maybe as objects or as how are they going to serve me or whatever. But when you, when you can get inside someone's head in that way, that empathy is so valuable. Thank you for going there because I, this is, it's kind of embarrassing for me to admit this, but before that happened, I had the feeling that people in general were either obstacles in my way, tools for me to use to get where I wanted to go. So I went from being that person and I used to get on airplanes when I was traveling for business and I had a whole strategy that would keep me from having to talk to another human being. I had a magazine, I had headphones, I knew how to turn my body away, I knew how to appear engaged or asleep or bored. And one day I was on an airplane and I had begun this shift where I was looking at people now thinking, what's going on with this person? Because I know that everybody's dealing with something. That's one of the things I learned. And I had a conversation with a lady on the plane that I never would have spoken with before. She was an older lady. She's like a grandma. And we had this long conversation that lasted the entire flight from Spokane to Las Vegas. And I called my wife in tears. and I said, I just had a conversation with a person for two hours on an airplane. And she said, who are you? <laughs> what did you do with my husband? <laughs> so it, it, it really, really was a, and is, continues to be a gift. Yeah, that's amazing. That, that, that is fantastic. Have really? you ever read the book Leadership and Self-Deception? No. I highly recommend it. So this, this is a standard reading at Harmon Brothers. It's called Leadership and Self-Deception. It's by the Arbinger Institute. And it talks about going into this thing where you either treat person as a human or you view them as an object that, to deal with. That is fascinating. I'm going, I'm going yes. to download anyway, that book immediately okay. when we finish this interview. Okay. Awesome. I, I just talked about this earlier, but um, Rudyard Kipling, poem. Are you familiar with it? Where he talks about treating triumph and disaster as the same imposter. Yes. Anyway, yes. That, that's what it reminds me of. It's basically, it's like, well, you've got it. Now, what are you going to do with it? Right. And we're all going to be dealt at some point in our lives, a pile of crap, or maybe we're even going to choose ourselves into a pile of crap at some point, And then it's okay. What do you do with it? That's right. What are you going to do with it? Very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. So 
let's talk a little bit about copywriting tactics um, or um, tips that you might have for people doing some of the writing on their own or and want to improve their skills or maybe or maybe they just don't write that much or even see it as, as that necessary to their business what what are some good starting principles or tips that you'd give for great copywriting so Principles is the key because I, I've given out so many tactics and I'm totally willing to do that. Mm -hmm. But often people will use the tactics and it doesn't work and they feel like, well, that didn't work. That's not the problem. The problem is you don't know the person you're writing to. Okay. And so my... Get to know your audience. My, 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 yes. My, my passion is to get people interested in getting to know their audience, their potential customer. And people always ask me, well, what's the magic trick? Is there some software I can get to do that? Or <laughs> is there a special kind of Google search? And I mean, they're serious. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to break it to them gently. I, I have to say, no, you. here's what you do. It's a very secret technique that most people don't know how to practice, but you go and talk to them <laughs> and be interested in their lives. And don't do it from the standpoint of trying to sell them something. Find out what, what bugs them, what bothers them, what, what keeps them up at night, what are their fears? their frustrations, their anxieties. And the more of that kind of information you can gather, the better. And I, I often, if I'm writing for a client, I will ask to speak to their best customers, the customers who've gotten the best results with their product. And I will record those conversations and we'll have them transcribed. And I'll look for the key phrases where they're talking about mm. a pain point that was solved by the problem. Where are the patterns? Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. So I look for those and when I begin to assemble, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's an organic process. The more of those inter interviews you go through, the more of those transcripts you read, the more obvious the pattern becomes. And we all have this skill. We're, we are pattern recognition machines. That's how we're built. That's right. So for then, a reason. Yes. For a reason. Uh -huh. It kept us alive. That's right. Uh -huh. And it still does. And so then I will take that information when I feel like I've got a good feeling for the, the mindset, the emotional state where the, the potential customer lives. And I actually do something called the instant empathy exercise where I'll close my eyes and, and just meditate on that person. I'll pick one person as a representative of the customer. Okay. Yep. And imagine. An avatar, if you will. Yes. And imagine mm -hmm. going through their, their day. Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean, I want to get detail. I want to get into what's their house look like. Is it noisy? Is it quiet? Is it full of kids? Does it stay? Think. Is, mm -hmm. it, is it is it immaculate? Yeah. What, what kind of car do they drive, or do they have a driver? Do, what happens when they get to work? And I try to live through a whole day, and it takes maybe 20, 30 minutes for me to do this on, when I'm doing it well. Mm -hmm. And then I will go to the keyboard and start writing. And I'm not expecting to write an ad. I'm expecting to write a story that will lead to an ad. But it gives me the kernels, the, the pieces of something. That's where the, the biggest ideas come from for me that, that make me go, oh, that's it. And then you spend, I can, spend a day in their shoes. Yes. And then I can write and we, and we can hone that. We can craft it. We can decide whether we're going to take a, a humorous approach or uh -huh. a serious approach or a straight in. But getting that sense of their life, I, I call it the sense of life of the customer and being able to convey that. And there's a marketer who I'm sure you know his name, Jay Abraham, says... I actually don't, but oh, I do now. Oh, well, <laughs> Google him. Okay. You'll have sure. plenty of reading material. Yes. <laughs> he says, if you can articulate the problem that a customer faces better than they can articulate it themselves, they automatically assume you have the answer to the problem. That's right. And that's powerful. Now, that I would powerful. caution people, make sure before you use that, make sure you do have the answer. Right. Because that's what we say to our that's what we say to people all the time is like hopefully you're selling something that really is great that's an answer that you're not just you yes. know shilling lies mm -hmm. I, you know it's funny I, a lot of marketing teachers and practitioners will say to other people now this is a powerful technique you should be careful with it and i think often people think that's 
like hype, like we're, we're dressing it up, but it's true. It is true. We have, when you practice this art and science, you have power over people that is, can be scary if you misuse it. Yeah. But it's, I look at it like this. It's a gift. I, I feel that what I do is I serve through selling. Yes. I'm serving the client that I'm writing for. I'm serving yep. the, their customer who gets the benefits. I'm serving me and my company because we're writing, everybody wins. It's a win, win, win. Absolutely. The, cl the customer should be better off for being exposed to the product or service. The company should be better off for getting to sell their product or service and you should be better off for facilitating that transaction. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Man, you went deep and I, I really like it. But of <laughs> going deep inside the customer's head, I, I often talk to my team about um, about becoming the customer, yes. of actually going, experience it for yourself, experience the product, fall, fall, fall in love with it, or or watch someone else, even if it's not relevant to you, watch someone else do that. But I, but I love that, of getting into their head. Again, you don't know how to actually speak to someone until you understand them. And that's what you're talking about, is getting to that level exactly. of understanding. I, mean, I feel like do what it takes. If you're writing, I'll give you an example from my own experience. I was writing for a, a golf product and I didn't know the first thing about golf, but I started hanging around golf courses and listening to golfers talk and talked to friends of mine who are golfers and went golfing with my friends who are golfers. I wasn't really interested in golf for myself, but I was interested right. on behalf of my client. Yeah. And I learned many phrases that I probably would have used in my copy that would have totally turned that audience off. Yeah. But by being with getting into the life of the of the end customer, the buyer, I had the words that they're speaking. I'm using their language. Meet them where they are with their language. Yes. Yes. Love it. It's fantastic. Any questions for me? Yeah. So one of the things that I've found most challenging in my, in my whole career was correctly using humor in my ads because I, we've, we've done it successfully and unsuccessfully. And one of the problems that I ran into was people would think the ad was funny, but they wouldn't remember what it was for. Yes. And they wouldn't take, they wouldn't go buy the product. Yes. So what, what do you feel like, what's the key to, first of all, making it funny? Okay. And then secondly, how to make sure that serves the purpose of selling the product? Two great questions, and I have lots of thoughts on both of them. Um, first off, how to make your ads funny, and we've talked about this many times, but it's easier to turn a comedian into a marketer than a marketer into a comedian. Oh my God, that's the truth. <laughs> so essentially what that means is that Comedians spend years honing their craft, going to open mic nights, writing for uh, sketch comedy or their stand-up or whatever it is. And there's a whole skill set and talent developed around being able to get comedic timing and just knowing what's funny. And it takes a long time to learn that. Like I said, years for most comedians to do it well. Whereas marketing, I think you can get up to speed much faster because it falls a lot of, a lot of structures. Not that there's not structure around comedy. There is in storytelling and that kind of thing, but it falls a lot of formula and structure and things that you can more easily plug and play yes. than just going and just becoming funny. And so we hire comedians in order to write on our ads and think of creative ideas because that's what they already naturally do for a living. And it's leaning very much into the strengths of their skill set and then pair them up with people that are good at writing great, you know, advertising copy and, and marketing copy. We don't ever just like throw a bunch of comedians into a room. We make sure we, they get proper training and proper yes. guidance so that that can be kind of managed. Because we, admittedly, we have people that we try out um, more probably than, than are successful that we try out and just don't work out. 
right? Um, where we give them a shot and they're maybe just not picking it up very fast and stuff. And they're really funny, but it doesn't actually serve us. But um, we get multiple, multiple perspectives from comedians in order to make our ads funnier. And we're able to take the funniest parts of their scripts and kind of Frankenstein them together into a really funny hole. And that was what, that is exactly what happened with um, chat books, which you've referenced. Um, the other part of it is how do you keep it on message? So there's a couple of things to keep in mind. And that is when you're dealing, uh, often there's a temptation as an advertiser to go into metaphor land with your product or service of saying, it's like this thing. Mm. And that can be useful for shorthand, for getting helping people understand a concept quickly. But if you go too deep into it, or if you stay with that too much and don't bring them back to the reality of it, it can make things, it can create a little bit of a disjoint in the message. Yes. The other thing I would say is that be very careful about layering jokes. We always say joke downstream. So you want to joke towards the sale. That you, as many of the jokes as possible should tie directly into your core message, tie directly into your product rather than being, rather than being tangential to it. They shouldn't be a distraction unless it's just a quick in and out. But ultimately, if, I, if you give me a piece of information and then give me a joke and the joke doesn't help me better remember the piece of information then it hasn't then it hasn't served me and that's just a little bit of gut and like me being able to feel out what that is but ultimately um i shouldn't say it's, i'm sure there's a lot more science to it than, than i know but you have to be able to learn to recognize okay is this ultimately distracting for my message or is it just providing a little bit of comedic relief but it's still very much in the theme and playing to the core message of what i'm trying to get across does that make sense that makes total sense what uh -huh. i what i see in your work that is beautiful to me is um, the, the humor, the jokes, it feels to me like always lead me to imagining myself enjoying the benefit of the product. That's kind of what we try to gear it to. So it's, and it, it, I mean, I know it's very intentional. And so even you were saying that maybe the joke is tangential, but I, I, I really feel like the, the, the jokes that I see in your work make me think about, oh, if I've got this thing that they're talking about, then my bathroom would not stink. Right. Well, or, in, in the case of chat books, where she's going through the busy mom life, yes. all the jokes are revolving around the chaos that she's dealing with with all her kids. And so it all plays into that core concept. She's catching an arrow. She's telling son to, you know, not jump off the roof. She's, she's having this moment with her daughter where she's making a debate about, is this really cute enough to print a photo book for? You know, all that thing, all those jokes play into the core. Yes. And, and like there's the moment where the, she calls out to her son and the soccer ball hits him in the head. Yes. And it's like, it's all like reflecting their life back to them. And they're that's like, right. that's totally, I get that. I've, yep. I've been there. Very relatable. But I, another thing I'd say to be aware of is, is joke stacking. Meaning when you go off the beaten path, you do one joke and then another joke on top of that, two jokes in a row is rare, rarely works. Um, it either ends up being a kind of, you either end up having a joke. If we use it, it's kind of a setup to the real punchline. But if you're going two jokes in a row, then people, are usually, we, we try to go, you know, paragraph of information, joke, 
paragraph of information, joke. And that's a little bit of the rhythm that we do. I see that. And, uh -huh. and you actually, you have training, don't you, that helps people do this on their oh, own? Oh, yeah, yeah. So obviously Harmon Brothers University um, dot com has, uh, has our 14 day script challenge that goes from a blank page to, um, to a, a finished script. But then also deeper down, we've got um, writing creative branded ads that goes really into what we do with our hero videos and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, that's, that's a really good question. That's fantastic. Okay. I, I, I believe that properly deployed humor is perhaps the most effective method for many advertisers because I, I feel like it, it, it evokes a connection mm -hmm. and it, it's also like an anesthetic. It, yep. it like anesthetizes you so you don't feel so bad, that's but right. you still see the pain and you see a solution. Yep. It's the two-edged sword, right? Of of being able to being able to um, it basically defangs things, right? You yes. forget the fact that you are being sold. Yes. <laughs> you it's 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 a moment of levity, and it you can if you can laugh at something, then you know it's more likely to be true. <laughs> kind of a thing. In, in many cases, I think in our heads, right? Totally. Anyway, now do you do your writers work in teams or are they? Yeah. Lone wolves? They, they very much work in teams. We have a writing retreat where we bring people together and they, on our big videos, they're knocking it out in 48 hours and two days, um, locking themselves in a cabin, get rid of cell, getting rid of cell phones, uh, dis, uh, distractions, all that kind of stuff. And it's very much check your ego at the door. That's, so, that's amazing. I, yeah. I, when I came up as a copywriter initially, I was tutored by a number of people who are very much the lone wolf. Like, I have the answer. Do not touch my copy. Do not... They're like the grumpy guru. <laughs> and I, I kind of modeled that for a while. And then actually, when I got the diagnosis and I became... Uh, more open uh, to other people. More open to other people. And I also found it more difficult to type and to write. Yeah. So I had to bring people in to help me. Well, I didn't have to, but I was at least had enough sense to ask people to come in and help me. And I realized I work better with other people. That's awesome. That's so, a huge breakthrough in and of itself in, yeah. in being diagnosed. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Ray. Again, um, if you want to check out Ray, where, where would you point? Them. RayEdwards.com. There you go. Lots of copywriting education there. Yes, lots of free copywriting education. Yep. We've got templates, we've got podcasts. There's all kinds of free stuff. Yep. And dive in. Consulting, all those kinds of things are offered yes. there. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out for this. And thank you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can catch our next episodes coming up. And we'll see you on the next one. As entrepreneurs and small businesses, we all kind of reach that point where we know we've created something awesome and we want to share it with the world, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that very next step that can oftentimes be really intimidating or really scary or you just don't know where to go next, right? And the beautiful thing about this 14-day script challenge is you get your hand held from, okay, you have this cool product, now let's go research and find the exact way to present it and message it to the world in a way that resonates and gets people excited and they're ready to swipe their credit card and purchase. And in the 14 day script challenge, you get the opportunity to go through that step-by-step -step with our writers who have done it dozens and dozens of times. Yeah, you actually watch us go through each of the steps ourselves and create it with a real client, a real product, and um, it's a real campaign that's out there that's been very successful. That's right. And the feedback that we've had on this thing has just been phenomenal. I mean, we get comment after comment and emails flowing in from people all over the world who have just uh, raved about the impact that this has had on their business. People tell us over and over again, it is just a huge value punch for the investment for this 14-day script challenge and, and really gave them the tool set they needed 
to walk through it and make it happen. And we've had, um, we've had dozens of students who have successfully taken the challenge, written their script, launched their ad campaigns, and driven success for their business. It's pretty amazing. For more information, go to hbros.co slash script. That's hbros.co slash script.